Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. As an agency leader, Mo Saeed does things a bit differently. After building his creative pedigree at shops including BBDO and Droga 5, Saeed went off to launch his own agency to do work he's more passionate about, not just work that's focused on growing the agency's remit. Unlike other creatives who start their own shops, Saeed runs the business as well as being a creative director, which he says helps the agency get to better ideas more quickly. Mojo Supermarket has three rules. We only work for brands we love, we only work with people we love, and we don't work for free. For Saeed, these are common sense things that often just don't happen in the agency world, especially as creatives are expected to provide ideas for free during pitches. In this episode, Saeed talks about how the agency is able to operate differently, why partnering with people you like leads to better work, and how he came up with the name Mojo Supermarket. I'm Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Hi, Mo. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So I'm really excited to have you on because Mojo Supermarket is an agency that I've been hearing a ton about over the past year, but we've never actually had a chance to connect. So talk to me a little bit about what the past year has been like for you in terms of this crazy trajectory you guys seem to be on. Yeah, the past year, well, when did it, what, what month are we in? Well, um, I don't really know. For me, the past year is like all of COVID, so. <laughs> well, and if that's, if that's the question, the past year has been crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, you know, we didn't really exist before COVID. So the past year, if you count COVID, has been insane. And the past year physically of like COVID being over in a way and, and us being open being able to go outside has been also insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been great. You know, we're, when we entered COVID, we were two people and then we're what 60 something people now. So it were just a COVID agency, but the last year, like we just came out of our kitchens and finally interacted with people and realized that other, you know, the first time you meet somebody who knows what Mojo supermarket is, you're like, wait, why? And then you realize a lot of people know what Mojo supermarket is. And like, so it's, it's a, it's a weird thing because we never really like saw the two people turn into 10 people, turn into 40 people. Like now we're back in the office and the 30 people sitting around a table doesn't, it feels weird because we've just never done that before. Yeah. So talk about why you decided to launch your own agency. First of all, Mojo Supermarket is just a really cool name. So congratulations on <laughs> a cool agency name, but maybe we could, maybe we could talk about how you thought of it, of it too. But, um, yeah. Talk about why you decided to, to go off and start your own thing. I think to be like, if I'm being completely honest, I've given like versions of that answer, but if I'm being completely honest, like every marketer and every advertising person or every creative, every strategist is right now doing work that they're looking at and they're saying, yeah, if I saw this, I wouldn't give a fuck about it. And then still doing it. And there's thousands of us, like there's like a lot of us. Right. And we're looking at it as marketers and advertising, whatever, all the assets. And we're looking at it like, great, we have to do this. This is the strategy. This is the media plan or whatever. But we're looking at it personally and saying, fuck this. If this showed up on my Instagram feed, I would like immediate swipe away. Mm. And you do that work for a while. You do that work as long as you can. And then I think it was just that breaking point. It was like, yeah, this work I'm making, I know doesn't work. So either continue making it because it's my job or try to figure out how to make the work that does work. Mm. So you and, were feeling like uninspired 
I guess. Yeah. 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 I've told the story before on somewhere that I, I I made a Super Bowl commercial and invited friends over to watch the Super Bowl commercial. And then I went to the bathroom during that Super Bowl commercial because I was like, (laughs) fuck this thing. I don't want to see it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that was my relationship with my work. You, you kind of know that the work doesn't work and it's not good, but you put it out anyway. Why is that the norm? Like what's going on at agencies that that's sort of the culture? It's why is that the culture of making bad work or is that why well, is just, the culture of like it being okay? Yeah. Like why are agencies okay with mediocre work and not feeling like passionate about it? Because it's not your, A, you don't care because ultimately you can't affect it. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a senior person at an agency, right? If you're, a, if you're, all these agencies are run by business people, which is A, sometimes really good, but sometimes really bad. If you're a business person and you can grow, you realistically know you can grow your 10 million revenue to 20 million revenue without making better work and making better work requires three times your energy and growing 10 million to 20 million requires 80% of your energy, which one would you do? Like, it's not your business. You have no creative value. Like whether the work works or is good work, you have no incentive to do that. Your incentive is to grow a $10 million agency to $20 million agency. If you start to give a shit about the work along the way, then it stands in your way of that growth. So mm-hmm. if you're any good employee or work or whatever, your bonus tied person, anything you want to do your job and grow the thing and not like worry about if it's working or not. Because if your client matches business is going better or worse, or like truth is whatever, like their business going better or worse, it's not really your problem. Mm. It also requires risk, right? Like really creative ideas are risky. And if you're just making money off the mediocre stuff, why rock the boat? Yeah. That's, I mean, media, there's people selling creative for free. From, yeah. By the media. And you're like, how could they do that or whatever? But if you're a business person, you look at that and you're like, cool, I can sell a lot more garbage than I can sell a good, like, you know, my, there's one of my friends who's a creative director who has an agency and he's like, he keeps saying like, you think too hard, just sell intelligent garbage. And intel- he's like, intelligent garbage is what you need to be selling. It's like, it has to be intelligent enough to sound intelligent, but it just like, it's does, who cares if it works or moves the thing. And And I think that's what we're doing. We're intelligent enough to be able to sell intelligent garbage. And Mm. we've been doing that for so long. It's really easy to do. And that's what I was doing. And I was like, I think I could do it at 10% of brain capacity at my job. Well, you're a creative person running a business now. What's that like? How do you run it? How does that change the way that you view the work that you enable your talent to be creative? What does that change about the business? It changes two things, Allison. The first thing that it changes is how we work. And I've talked about this extensively. Like there's a lot of creatives who started agents in our, in my previous generation, there's a lot of creatives who started agencies. There's no creatives that built agencies, right? So you're a CCO, you leave and you're like, okay, I'm going to start an agency. Either somebody helps you like a foreign agency helps you or some capital helps you or some holding company pays for it. And then they build the structure. And what you do is you're the chief creative officer or you hire a counterpart or a partner or president or whatever. And then you're like, you will build the agency while I will play chief creative officer. And that's the big difference is like when I left, there's nobody wanted to come immediately. And I think that was hard. That was bad. Right. But that was also good because then we built a lot of things like our contracts are written by me. And like, there's like things that I put in the contracts that 
that protect the creatives and creative work. The way we're set up is just basically for creative people. So that's really, really different. So work say life. more. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. If you're a business person, you get your, you have a one week long pitch. Let's say every, the whole pitch is one week long and you get to a Thursday and you're like, Monday we have to present, right? So you get to a Thursday and you're like, we don't have enough ideas. Your inkling is to put two more teams on it. Your inkling, you're, you're like, is, oh, okay, well, are they working? They're working eight hours. If they work 16 hours, maybe they'll come up with more ideas. But as a creative, I know that's complete, bull- that's not how ideas happen. It's this is That's how like, you get burnt out. Yeah, this isn't brick laying. Like, uh, yeah, if I just... Ha- double up hours on laying brick. Yes, I lay twice as much brick, but this is coming up with ideas. Yeah. And like twice as many people doesn't bring you twice as many ideas. Twice as much work doesn't bring you twice as many ideas. It's just smart people who are healthy in their brain and they have the time and space to think. So that first thing has just changed because we don't work weekends and we have two four-day weeks every month because we have four-day weekends every month pretty much. So that like that space is good. And then like the way we arrange teams, the way we run pitches, there's no long late nights and weekends to the pitches. There's like smarter thinking faster in, in more efficient ways. There's no six teams on pitches. There's no three ideas built out to hundred pages. There's one idea. There's one idea that we're taking. That's the right idea that we think is the right idea. There's no backups. So mm. if you're a creative, you go into a pitch with three ideas, you know, which one is going to work and you know, which one you're going to make and is the best idea. And, and you, instead of spending even time coming up with that idea, you get to 10% of thinking and you say, okay, let's break this out to, into hundred slides because that's your team saying, okay, let's just make the Snapchat filter of this. We've won pitches based on like, sometimes we forget to bring scripts at all because we just didn't have time. And we were just like, oh, oops, we didn't even do that. Mm. But the idea is very well thought through and we know it's one idea. So that's the way of working thing where being a creative is really good. And being a business person really helps me because when I talk to somebody, I don't know, I can, because I can see all the bullshit, right? Like I can see all the work that's going to work and I can see all the work that's not going to work. I can see it from a point of view that, okay, they're, they're paying us $300,000 to do this thing. Would they, would I pay me three, would I pay Mojo supermarket today, $300,000 to do this, or they're spending a million dollars running this thing. Mm. Would I spend a million dollars in media to run this thing? And I can have really, really honest conversations. And because if, again, going back to if you're an account manager, creative director, whatever, chief creative, whatever, at a big agency, you're not incentivized to think like that at all. Like, why would you think about, first of all, you have no knowledge of running a business, even if you're a CCO. And the other thing is, when I was a creative, I just wanted to make things. So, like, you know, the, comp- the, the company saying, like, we don't have we don't have money to spend on this thing. I like didn't understand what that meant. Or yeah. when they were like, we have low brand recognition to so put our product in every scene. I didn't know what that meant until I had a business that had low brand recognition. I was like, oh shit, I can't just go around the street saying Mojo Supermarket when nobody knows what Mojo Supermarket is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start to understand the other person on the other side. That's why I have such great relationships with all these CEOs because I am also running a business and I understand I feel like to your, like you just made this point, like, you know, creative people don't run businesses. Was it, is that a stereotype? Cause obviously you're doing it or was it a big learning curve for you? Or do you feel like that's just sort of like stereotype to keep creative people away from running the business? It's both. It's both. I will say it's mostly stereotyped from keep 
uh, creative people from running the business. I think the biggest problem in our work and the, the work is the way that it is that the client is very far away from the creative person physically and they have less time, but also mentally like the client and the, the creative person's job and, and inherent ability is to solve problems. But if I'm solving problems for you and there's four people between me and you that are translating you to me, then I don't know if I'm getting the best problem and I don't think you're getting the best solution. Mm. Right? So if I just get closer to your business, I understand your business. I, I know what go, goes on. I know what keeps you up at night, what you have, what your relationship with your CEO is. I, I understand what things you have to hit, all the things. I can work with you to solve that stuff. Right? Now, there is a lot of distance that's created between that those people. Are you saying, is it to keep the creatives away? Yes, it is. But it's also not all creatives can do that. Yeah. So not, all, not all creatives are meant to start businesses. I will say a lot of creatives that come to me now and start a business, I'm like, think like, because a lot of creatives say, oh, I would love to start an agency too. If I could just do the creative part and somebody else could do the business part. And you're like, oh no, it's all business. It's just the business. Yeah. You're not a creative anymore in the sense of I'm making a picture or a layout or writing a line. Like, I don't think I've done any of that in a while. Like there's better people here that do that better than me. It's all business. You still have creative director in your title though, right? So is that just to sort of show like creative is most important? Like that's sort of like the, the focus? No, I still creative direct all the time. What I'm saying is like writing a great, like I'm not sitting there writing copy all the time. Got it. Got it. Like, okay, so let me give you an example. Girls who code, we're, we're going to affect, or any organization that we have, Match, we affected a, a UI thing, like something within their app that's now different that reinforces their reason for being, which is adults date better. Adults date better on Match is a campaign. And a lot of people stop, stop at that campaign. And then Match is such a smart organization. Was we, we were able to bring in a solution that we're like, okay, we were going to bring in this feature so that when you're on Match, it feels like this is the destination where adults date better. So we were able to change their UI. Some other companies we work with, we can change their fundraising structure and then in the end, they'd actually don't need that much advertising budget. What I'm trying to say is like when I can have that conversation with the CEO, there's creativity. I can find pockets of creativity, which I'm like, oh, we're making these stupid videos when you have this thing that you need to fundraise through other brands. Why don't we make the campaign through other brands and they pay for it? And that's the fun. Like, you know, I can, I'm making that situation up, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole point is like, if you're going to start a business that is just making the things that you were in the past. Like I don't want to make Super Bowl commercials to make Super Bowl commercials. And yeah. I don't want to make campaigns that are just like a bunch of assets saying some cool line about who you should, how you should be the way you are already. Like, so when you get to this side of things and if you're like, Oh, I just want to do the creative and somebody does the business. That's not, that's okay. You're just making your previous agency again. And that's the difference. seems like you can be more creative when you're closer to the business and like solve more oh, really? of, the business problems. So I was doing my research and was uh, scrolling on your website yesterday. And I know you have three rules at the agency, yeah. right? Which is we only work for brands we love. We only work with people we love and we don't work for free. So how do you make that work? Like talk about, do you turn down pitches? Do you yeah. pitch at all? Like, how do you say no? I think a lot of agencies struggle with that. So talk about how you keep true to these rules. You just say no, man. Like there's no, it's, it, it's so weird that everybody finds those rules so shocking 
shouldn't they just be rules of life? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't work with in companies that you don't like. And now I think after co- we wrote those things three and a half years ago, four years ago, but now I feel like they feel more true for every person in the world, right? Like nobody wants to work for a company they don't give a shit about. They don't want to work with people they don't give a shit about. And they don't want to work for free. Those are like, I think ever since we were cavemen, like that those should be like pretty ground rules of employment, I think. And it sounds weird to even take credit. Like those should be basic human rights. But what we do that as a company, it's really, it's really, it's not easy, right? This year has been way slower of growth than I would have projected last year. By that, I mean, I have no growth goals of like, there is a number I, I need to hit. There was like, okay, we were going to do something like this and something like this and something like this next year. This year, the two biggest things that we won that were, would have been our biggest pieces of business, but also my, one of them was my favorite, two of them favorite ideas we've ever come up with. And they would have been perfect notches in the story of Mojo Supermarket. We won both and we turned them down right after. Really? And those were really hard to turn down because, again, we've come up with ideas that we really like and it's a brand we really like. But the people give us pause and it doesn't seem like it's the team that you want to build with. And I think no agency alone has made a great brand and no brand uh, like marketer alone has made a great brand. It's that partnership. So when we end up in a room where we're like, Oh, I don't know if the respect is there or I don't know if the like collaboration is, I don't know if like we are the same people. It's kind of like merging two companies, right? So time Warner's going through a merger or whatever, like one of those companies is always going through a merger. WP yeah. is buying <laughs> the other one, I guess. Yeah. Um, VMLY and EBC is all one agency today. The, you know, when those mergers happen, like when two cultures clash, it's fucking hard to be at that company and everybody leaves. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing as like, if we didn't have the same working culture as truth, we wouldn't be with them. Yeah. There are such things as abusive clients, right? So it seems like maybe you're trying to avoid that, but I guess what's the rationale for like going through with the pitch and then being like, wait, actually, never mind. Like, is there a way you can like avoid the pitch altogether? (laughs) Cause it's a lot of work. Yeah. You always can. That was one scenario where we, where we just didn't see that coming really. Mm -hmm. There's, there's two examples. So Sometimes after a pitch is when you realize what the organizational structure of the company actually is and who is in, in those organization structures and how, what your relationship is going to be with them. So that, that thing, like not till the, not till the end meeting that we found some person that we didn't like, or some like organizational structure didn't, we didn't like, or, after you start working with them, it's like, whoa, this company is just like in a mess. And, or like the people aren't respectful. Mostly it comes down to the people, to be honest. Like out of those three rules, we'd, if I were to boil it down to one, it would just stay people. Yeah. Like internally and externally, our people are the best. Um, but you, a lot of times it's, you know, funny enough, I'll tell you, can I tell the story about the restaurant thing? Yes. Um, the, <laughs> I'm just like looking over to be like, can I talk about that? <laughs> Let, I'll, I'll tell you a short version of it where we, we join a pitch and we do the thing, we do the strategy session and my head of strategy and I meet at a restaurant and 
we meet up at a restaurant and we're talking through all the directions and like this direction, one, two, three, four, this is strategy session is like where we take a lot and like try to see how our working relationship is with it. Mm -hmm. So I said something to the effect of two is right. Three would be interesting because that means that they're bus- they're targeting this audience and five is just plain. I don't think that they should do that. Like that, that's, I wouldn't want to want to take, take that brand, but let's see what, insights they're reacting to. There's like five insights and we're going with that. We present, works really well. They pick the right one, great partners, great chemistry session or whatever. We get to the final pitch and in the pitch, before we pitch, the person's just pissed off. Like the main person is just like, hey, here's this conversation that I, we overheard at a restaurant and it's that conversation. And it's me saying, hey, we should figure out if they like this, this, or this. We should see if these exact words, we should see if we like them. We should, we should see how they work or do we just love them because they're agency people because agency people go to brand and we obviously fucking love our own types of people. So we're like, oh man, we really like these people. Is it because they're our type of people or is it because they're really smart and we're going to want to work with them and all this stuff? So this person was just upset that we were testing their intelligence and we were testing how good their part they were as partners. And when he asked that in a group of 30 people, first of all, our team and theirs was really pissed. I was like, first of all, that's what you're doing. You're in testing my intelligence by asking me to pitch, tell you what I think and make no mistake that I'm doing the same. Yeah. Like my strategy session isn't like me to show you how good I am at strategy. It's me to test how, smart you are, how collaborative you are. Do I like working with you? How is this going to work when it works? Do you and I share a vision for where the company should go? Do you and I share the vision for where the brand should go? Do we have our, the same beliefs? And I think, first of all, agencies don't do that. Agencies are just trying to hungrily win the business. It's like dating a person who really, really, really wants to date you and they don't show you who they are. And it's fucking free- creepy. Yeah. Um, And on the other side, marketers get upset that they're being tested. Yeah, fucking, I'm going to spend a year with you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you my phone number. I want to be with somebody who is smart and going to be fun to work with. And we're going to build something amazing together. So we turned down that, we backed out of that thing because I don't want to work with somebody who's that upset about that thing. It's a really interesting example because it's almost like it really gets to the heart of this kind of like disrespect sometimes that exists between clients and agencies. Like, oh, you should be begging for my business. And like, it doesn't matter who I am. You should just be like fighting for what I give you. And I think a lot of agencies act that way sometimes. Like you said, they change their personality for the person they're dating. Because again, because the conversation that we had earlier, because they, that person's goal is to go from 10 to 14 to 20. Yeah. And that's, that's what their contract says. That's what their business goal is. That's what they get the pat on the back for. That's what. So if your goal is to sell 10 more ice cream cones, you don't give a shit to who do you sell it to? What's in the ice cream cone? Is it good for people? You're selling ice cream cones. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, we provide an amazing product. It works. We can see it in creative ways. You can see it in effective ways. Like it works, man. And like it's amazing. And I stand by it. That product we're going to, and we work really, really hard for it. And we're going to want to work and build that with people that we love that are smart. And, you know, we want to deal with it. 
So talk about the way you approach creative. Uh, Mojo has done some really cool, interesting stuff. And I think this probably ladders back to the way you work. But you mentioned oppression sticks, Doja Code. Like these are really these are yeah. ideas that transcend like in a 60 second spot. Right. So talk about like how you get to these ideas and how you make them happen. Yeah. First of all, I mean, going off the conversation that we're going, I'm a fan of every client that we have. And that's really, they're fans of us. We're fans of them. Like, we well, I would are, assume you turned everyone away. You didn't like, yeah, so. <laughs> so like when there's, there's time, there's times the opposite happens. And a lot of times the opposite happens because we end up picking right that we're just in a room where you're just nerding out together and you're like, fuck, this is so fun. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, this is going to be good to build stuff together. So you don't build a depression stick without the truth clients that we have, I will say, or girls who code or anything, any piece of work that we have. How do we get to the work? I think it's, uh, you know, if you look at match depression stick, you look at this, we try to rewire the way you think, right? That's our jobs. We have to creatively rewire what you, how you think about something. And usually that is make people care about match more. And you're like, yeah, but what's the difference? Like what is match? So you get into like, how do people consider match right now? And what do they feel about dating in this group? So 33 and plus, what do they think about dating? They think like they're leftovers because after 33, you just feel like, fuck man, I'm just at a dinner party and everybody keeps asking me, how are you still single? Which still see, feels very offensive because I've done all these things and in life, like you should look at my career and all these things. But even when we, you interviewed Tracy Ellis Ross, she's like, I feel like a leftover and I feel like I didn't do this thing. Like I didn't, I couldn't figure this thing out and I wasn't smart enough or whatever. So we're like, oh shit, that's cool. And people thought that match was a dating app for somebody older than them. Always everybody, 30 years old that thought that and 50 year olds thought that. So, because they've had this thing of like, oh, that's like where you adults go. And we were like, we don't have to change what matches perception is. We have to change what people's perception is in this category and make a place for them. Does that make sense? So yeah, adults date better is no, actually I have enough money in my life and I've dated enough people and know what I like and what I don't like. And I know, uh, I'm not mean to people anymore. I don't flake on people. I'm not like, I'm a considerate person. Um, I'm not going to cancel cause work ran late again. Like I, if I don't want to drink, I'll just say, Hey, I'm not drinking today. Like, Hey, this is, this is pretty great time to be dating in life. Holy shit. This might be the best time to be dating in life and match is the place to do it mm. because all the other apps are for the kind of dating that we didn't want to do anymore. Yeah. Um, so that makes a reason for me to, that gives a brand a role to play in your life. So we've effectively rewired the app where everybody goes to give up to the app where fucking best part of dating in your life begins because you're dating like an adult and on the app, we've changed the UI. So um, if you ghost people three times, you get a booted off notification thing. It's another piece that we've gotten pressed for. So it's not just the campaign saying adults date better. Now your product's acting like adults date better. And everything about your ecosystem is like, oh shit, this brand has now a reason to exist. Yeah. I think the tie into the product is like where it gets super interesting, right? Because like that's how people experience brands these days. It's not just the commercial that you see on TV. It has to actually like deliver an experience. So it's the same thing uh, to your earlier point. Like, why are we able to do that? And nobody else's because everybody's else is competing for scope. So if you have an internal agency 
at your company match, or let's, I'm going to start using a different example. You start to, as an agency, I'm like, if I, why there's a pie and they have a piece of the pie and I have a piece of the pie. I want more pie. So I'm not going to help you figure out your UI because that's not my part, my piece of the scope. And I don't want those things to succeed, your internal team to succeed because I want to take some of that business away. But what people don't realize is you're then making shittier pie. What yeah. if you just tried to make really good pie with everybody involved and stuck to your own goddamn piece and then you just made really, really good pie and match could be really good pie and you could be a part of it. And that's not how you think when you're just chasing growth goals. Yeah, well, that's how all the holding companies and like you mentioned, like the mergers that have happened and stuff are like in pursuit of that, but it never actually seems to work in practice because there are always competing incentives when you're in that kind of a setup. It works for the agencies just fine. I will say that it works for the agencies because they make money and that's the business we're in. Yeah. So you guys obviously do things differently. Um, There's been a lot of talk in the past year about talent and it being really difficult to find talent, great resignation. You've hired like 60 people, I think you said. Are you finding that the approach, the kind of like no bullshit is attracting talent from other agencies? Like how has the personnel growth been at the company? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a problem with that. It actually, we've had the opposite problem where like, you know, when a lot of people were leaving, a lot of really good creative talent was leaving to go to tech companies. We've had the opposite where like the, the talent that comes back into the agency world ends up being us. Because I think we offer kind of the best of both worlds where like, it's not crazy toxic culture of agencies, but it's still good work and variation and that the agencies provide and like different types of brains that the agency provide and the type of work that they want to make. So I don't know, I don't know if we've had that problem ever. We're a very specific culture and to find people that are, it's not just no bullshit, but they're just really nice and super smart and really incredibly fast thinkers. Because again, we've designed this agency in a way, like I was talking about, we don't work late. We don't work weekends. Again, there's exceptions. I've worked a weekend a while ago, but there's very, and by a while ago, I mean six months ago. Okay. So how do you do that? The reason why that exists is a, it's run by people who think we're bricklayers, like, you know, there's two bricklayers, fucking get four. And then we'll have four, twice as many ideas or three times as many ideas. But the other reason being that we have a type of thinker here. It's a very collaborative, very quick, fast thinker. And uh, they want to make the work, the kind of work that we want to make. Us having this trajectory has made it really, really easy to find those people and those people be excited about us. I, I will say it's just like the client thing. Like when, when you get in a room with somebody who's like very, very different than you, but you belong, you know, every, everyone here at motor supermarkets, like very different. Like Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they're in a room together and they're so curious about each other because I think it's the first agency that kind of let them be themselves. And you take, again, I'm going to use the match example. Again, you don't come up with adults. They better unless you're in an environment where you can say, dude, shit, you know what? I went to dinner last night and somebody kept saying like, why are you still single? And that really sucks. Mm. And then someone's like, oh shit, what do you, like, what does it feel like? Why? And he's like, man, I've done everything in my life, but I still feel like a leftover. And like, so if that conversation doesn't happen, you don't get to a real idea. That's why we're selling like 10% a 
meaning ideas like puns and like references or whatever. Like I can come up with the same one you can come up with and you're not going to hate me for coming up with it because I'm a nerd. So it's just creating that environment for that work. I don't think depression stick happens anywhere else. I don't think adult state happen, better happens anywhere because it's just, you have to have those conversations to get to that work. Is it like, where do you find, you said you have a specific type of thinker. Are you looking for people from other agencies or do you look outside of the agency world or is it is it more just like the the environment that they're in that they can think differently to be completely honest so far they found us like i don't want to take credit for being like a master recruiter we definitely have a type of creative and they and they found us and and it's been awesome i think it's the environment for sure because i've we've seen a lot of creatives you know we love learning like I was this morning when Hannah told me we were, Hannah and I were talking about this podcast. I was like, I just talked to somebody who said, Hey, I heard your old podcast and you said you'd never hire a new business person. And what do you think about that? And I was like, I was wrong. I learned, I learned new things. And this is what I want from that new business person. So, you know, we're not afraid to admit our mistakes here at all. So it just, it's the culture where we can come up with that work. And it's the process, right? Like Ryan, our head of strategy and I have sat down and we figured out a process of getting to that work. And the, we have different things that like, we have a Gen Z panel that, or like we make audience panels, panels to each specific thing, but Gen Z panels are our biggest one and we co-create work with them. And it's actually a pretty open process. And so there's, I think it's the process, but, um, the types of people have kind of just found us if I'm being completely honest. And like, what is it about the process that is different? It's figuring out, we do a lot of work to get to the current belief and then figuring out how you rewire that belief. It's a process I would love to take you through at another hour long pod podcast. <laughs> um, we get to how we can rewire the way you think, but you first have to find out what version of that is it and who first, who is this for, right? Like all those normal marketing things. But then you don't get to the belief that needs to break. And then the process is to deliver it in a really, really, really interesting way that gets stuck in your head. So let me give you an example. Half the, your, your brain right now, I'm going to give two minutes until a ramble. Um, your brain right now is shaped by a lifetime of belief, right? So something, your, how you grew up, your religion around you, your people around you, the culture around you, greater American culture, greater culture of people, how we live, Right. So your brain is made up of all these things. Very little changes those beliefs. Very, very little in the world changes those beliefs. So if I ask you, when's the last time you completely thought about something different and like you didn't believe in this thing and now you believe in this thing, probably happened in a class or a book or like a very pivotal moment in your life. As an adult, very little changes in your brain. We think that art or whatever we're making, art should break your brain good in a way. It should change the way you think. So if that's our jobs, most music, music, art, and whatever you want to call it, memes, all those things don't do, don't get in stuck in your brain and don't change the way you think, right? Most shit that hits your brain doesn't do anything. It falls immediately. If you say, Hey, I saw this meme immediately. If I was like, what was in that meme? You'd be like, ah, I forgot. So most stuff is that some stuff has the ability to stay catchy in your brain, baby shark. Right. But doesn't change the way you think about anything unless you had weird opinions about sharks before that, that they couldn't have babies. Um, so most stuff that gets stuck in your head doesn't change the way you think other stuff like advertising, like 
all, even advertising that stuck, gets stuck in your brain or is cool or is funny or whatever doesn't change the way you think. Most things that change the way you think don't have the ability to get stuck in your head or be delivered in a short, interesting way. You're like, oh, I, wrote, I read this Jordan Peterson book or, or Creativity Inc. and it changed the way I thought about this thing. But we don't have time to throw books at people. So mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we need to, we need to deliver a, a brain-breaking thought and we need to deliver it in a way that's going to get stuck in your head. So the brain-breaking thought is that vapes can amplify feelings of depression and anxiety. Nicotine vapes can do in, in a client or a group that wants to say everything, chemicals or toxins or, yeah, hey, cancer, all these things, these tobacco people are fucking with you. Like all those things, we simplify that and it's like, what are people going to care about? People care, Gen Z, the number one thing they care about is mental health. And this thing fucks with your mental health and it's making people sad and anxious and, and depressed. And we need to tell people that. But we need to tell people that in a meme amount of time. And all this has to happen in a meme amount of time. We want people to be able to look at it vape in a bar, in a class, whatever, and say, oh, depression stick, even subconsciously say depression stick. So we've done all that strategy. We've done all that work. Now it needs to be delivered in a brain breaking way, which is depression stick. And we're going to start a fake company and we're going to launch it. And you're going to remember that you're going to be like, what the fuck? I just saw an ad for a company that makes you, oh, God damn it. This is about vapes. Mm. And then realize that your vape is a depression stick. Somebody in a bar randomly said depression stick to me, pointing to their vape. I was first time talking to them. and I Wow. That must have felt good. It feels great. And because you're like, oh, a few more years of this and every, you know, you'll never, people, I never look at the Oscars the same way since we did that work. I never look at a vape the same way. And subconsciously, I want a whole generation to start saying depression stick. Mm. Really so that cool. it's, it's just, deli- it's, it's a, you figure out the rewire and then you deliver it in a way that will enter your culture and enter mm-hmm. your brain in a way that you won't forget about it. Yeah. Okay. So my last question is the most important. I need to know the, the origin yeah. story of the name. Obviously Mo is your name. Yeah. It was the closest thing. Mojo was the closest thing that I was remotely comfortable with to be like associated to my name. Because mm-hmm. my last name doesn't do that, and and so first I wanted it to be just something else, and somebody was like, it should have. So um, Mojo was like r- ringing in my head for a while, and then a client said it. My first client said it, and was like, oh, we need we need to get our Mojo back. And I was like, huh, that's cool that that said that was said twice, but it just felt incomplete, and we felt like the place that could give you that. So um, I also I think I lived in front of a Chinese supermarket, and that had a lot to do with it. Well, I like, you know, you go into the supermarket, you pick your groceries, like you're picking your ideas and it's cool. I like it. It's great. We like, yeah. Uh, It used to, it used to sound dumb to me, but now it's, it's, uh, it's stuck in my head. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mo. It's, uh, it's been great to chat with you and learn a little bit more about the agency and how you guys do things. Thank you so much. This is so fun. This is such fun, interesting questions. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.